so you've already worked out things are a little different tonight. We're not doing things as they were. Now, on the plus, that does mean that you're not getting a 20-minute sermon from me. But what it does mean is we're going to do this together. So we're doing things a little differently. Um, so instead of um, reading the Bible, somebody coming to read the Bible, we're going to dwell in the Word together. And let me explain how that's going to work. Um, you might want to have a Bible in front of you, and there are some under the tables. You might have your phone available for your Bible. Or you might just want to be still. I am going to read the passage, but I'm just going to want you to engage that in a particular way. Um, we're going to have some slides come up in a minute. And I'll just tell you how we're going to do that and how to think about that. In the meantime, can you find John chapter 4? John chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. So what I'd like us all to do is either have our eyes on the Bible, or you can have your eyes shut and just really dwell in the Word, listen to the Word, receive from the Word. Um, Prue, what's the page number? 1066, if you're having a hunt, 1066. I've got three sim simple symbols there as we dwell in the word in just a moment. The first one there is a question. Does anything pop up? A question as, as you're hearing the word. A question about something you don't quite get. Or a question you might be curious to ask uh, our, our story. Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. So maybe you want to ask a question. A question pops up as you're listening to this. The light bulb indicates what really shines. As you listen to this passage, what stands out for you? What do you connect with? Is it a word? Is it a phrase? Is it a moment? Maybe think about that. And the arrow implies that we might have a response. How might we respond to this passage for ourselves? Is there something that encourages us? Is there something that challenges us? Is there a different way of seeing something in our own lives as a result of this passage? The question mark, the light bulb, the arrow. It's a really simple way to dwell in God's word at home. So we try it tonight. Maybe try it tomorrow for yourselves as well. It may well be you don't get as far as the arrow. It may well be that you can't make any sense of this passage at this point. Fear not. I'm going to try and do that in a minute. Okay? I'm going to try and do that in a moment. But let's, for the moment, just be still and just listen to the passage being read and dwell in the Word. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I'm just going to ask you now to be still for a minute. I want to look back at the words. You might just want to sit and reflect and reflect on each of those symbols. Anything that was difficult to understand or a question, something that shines from the passage for you, has impact, draws attention, or perhaps some application. Let's just be still and dwell in the word for a minute. Okay, Um, we're just going to have a couple of roving mics. If there's something from your your gatherings, it would be good for us to hear in terms of what struck you. Where was the light bulb? Then we'd love to hear some. We'd love to hear some. Holly? No? We've got one here. We would like to know, or does anybody know, why the Samaritans and the Jews were the hatred, especially mm. with today's situation. Where did it start? Mm. Sorry, everybody, but where did it start? Mm. That's definitely a question for somebody above my pay grade. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> but whilst, thank you, and we might come and get that answer over dinner. But in the meantime, there you have this barrier, this real barrier between these two people, and yet we end up having this wonderful dialogue between the two, okay? So everything was against this conversation happening, but it didn't. But hold that thought, and we will get a more in-depth answer to that later.
I know there are some more out there. Come on. Just questions. the light bulb. The words. Oh, sorry, light what bulb. Word struck you? What phrase struck you? Richard. Yeah. I like the fact this starts with Jesus saying, can I have a drink? That it doesn't require lots of thought to begin a conversation. I mean, I don't, he's Jesus, so he may have planned it all out, but it, it, does, it, it does start with a very simple conversation. I presume Jesus really did need a drink as well. Yes, yes. It, yeah, we'll come back to that. And we read that, you know, he's, he's basically waiting for his disciples to come back with some food. He's hot, he's a bit tired, he's thirsty. He just needs a drink. But look at the conversation that follows. Yeah, thank you, Julian. Richard. So our opening thought was, uh, isn't it remarkable how Jesus just mixed with anybody he encountered, no um, prejudice or whatever, and what, what can we learn from that in today's yeah. goings on? Yeah. Yeah. And when we think about how many people we encounter each and every day, um, what, what, what does that mean for us? We'll come back to that as well. Thank you. Any more? The lady was quite... Okay. Yeah? Explain a bit more, Grace. Hold on, we just need... We could do with getting some sound to you so we can hear that. How, like, quick... How... (laughs) How quick she was to, like jump to conclusions or not jump to conclusions but how quick she was to like decide that he was right okay not gullible (laughs) (laughs) whilst also going well hang on a minute we shouldn't be talking but but then by the end she was very very keen to have this water and bearing in mind we've only got to verse 14 there's 42 verses there's more to read more to read but we've done that for a reason holly um, I may not have been concentrating at the beginning of it, but um, the thing that struck me was the fact that Jesus um, left wherever he was to start with because um, the Pharisees' comment about um, um, the gossip and that uh, he was baptizing and his disciples were baptizing more than John. And yeah. It was almost like he didn't want to kind of yeah, take the limelight away. Yeah. So there's a bit about, he's baptizing more, I'm baptizing more, you're baptizing more, all this kind of stuff. And there's a retreat. There's a retreat. Jesus is very focused on his mission about what he is here to do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one more at the front. Clive, can we just get Clive? Thank you. And then we're going to move on. Thank you. Can I ask as well, the question I wanted to ask is whether this was opportunistic or planned, this meeting. Uh, I, I tend to think that whatever, whatever Christ did, you know, he did as a planned event. And that this was, and he was seeking an opportunity. And I, I think that's something that... Um, you know, it, it almost portrays itself as being purely opportunistic that that mm. happened. Mm. But um, I, I think it was a mixture of both, I think, but I don't know. Really. You've been reading my notes. Um, will we ever know? Will we ever know? We can't deny the fact that he was tired, he was, cold, he was hungry, he was having a break, he was waiting for his lunch to appear. Um, and yet, the divine nature of this encounter, two people who shouldn't really meet... Um, of course, there is no water to draw the well. So, hey, I've got a great question to start with. Can you draw my water? Because I haven't got anything. And where do we go from here? Can I just commend to you that really simple process of thinking through a Bible passage for yourself uh, and, and the joy of discussing it with other people as well and the different things uh, that crop up? 
Okay, so let's, let's think about this for a minute, and let's go back to our fish and chips, because there was a reason why we asked you that question about chips. I'm not one of these people who chucks salt over everything I eat. I'm, I'm quite low salt, apart from when it comes to chips. To me, a chip is transformed by salt. Okay, otherwise it's just pretty boring, really, but not when you put salt on a chip. And Jesus said that we are the salt of the world, that we are to be witnesses to the gospel in a broken world, and we are to have a transformative presence amongst it. And in this passage, Jesus gives us a masterclass on how we can do that in our everyday interactions by having something called salty conversations. Let's look at what that means and how we can do it. So, we start with a woman at the well, and Jesus starts a very simple conversation. As we've said, he's hot, he's tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty, so humanly, He's probably not on his best form at this very moment. Who would be in that situation? But divinely, there's an opportunity that he sees. And so he simply asks a question. Starts a conversation by asking a question, will you give me a drink? So Jesus shows us that we don't have to be really geared up to have faith conversations but we should be attentive to the opportunities God puts in front of us in our everyday lives, where he is already at work and simply asks us to join in. How we can take those opportunities just to engage in proper conversation with people beyond the, how are you? I'm fine. Move on. Types of conversations. Even asking that conversation, no, how are you really? takes us to a different place. So starting a conversation with a great question that invites response and leads to further dialogue is the easiest way to get started. Let's go back to the well. The conversation continues. And the Samaritan woman would have been very surprised that Jesus was talking to her because, as we've worked out, and we will find out fully why, they shouldn't be associating. They shouldn't be talking to each other. And also, it's most likely that a man would have kept his distance whilst a woman was at the well drawing water. And Jesus listens. She makes these points. She's quite quick to be assertive on that. She makes those points. He listens to the woman's thoughts. He responds to her questions. If you read on, and I'd encourage you to read on to the end of verse 42, later at some point, Jesus then does two things. He tells two stories. He tells the story of himself. He effectively says, this is me. This is what it means to know me. This is how you can truly worship in spirit and in truth. And he also tells the woman her own story. And by doing so, he shows her that she is known and loved and accepted. And that is where she has her light bulb moment and says, well, where can you get this living water? Now, it's not a point of sort of complete conversion then, 
But she has taken a huge step further to understanding who Jesus is. Now, I think taking time to listen to people is one of the greatest acts of hospitality that we can offer them. And it's so important for us as we listen to understand where people are coming from, what's important to them, where are they at, what do they currently feel about Jesus or not, do they know anything? If we're going to point them to the truth, we need to listen first and understand them. Now, one of the easiest ways of pointing people to Jesus is telling stories. I call this having a story up your sleeve, okay? Now, don't you find sometimes we often panic? There's perhaps a faith discussion going on. Have I got the right Bible verse? I know it's this, but I don't know where it is, and is it applicable at this point? Okay, and what we do then is we sort of retreat for fear of getting it wrong because we might not get it right. You are never, ever going to get it wrong if you tell your story. What does it mean to have Jesus in your life? How have you seen him at work in your life? You're never going to get it wrong. So having our story up the sleeve is really, really important. I'm going to share a bit of mine in a moment, um, just to, to help us think about that further. But let's go back to the well for the moment, because the conversation builds. So it builds from Jesus' stories, it builds from his understanding of this woman, and then Jesus invites the woman to take the next step, to drink of his water and receive eternal life. So through this salty conversation, this Samaritan woman knows that she's known, she's accepted, she knows that God can be known too. And then she asks, Sir, give me this water. And she goes and she shares her testimony with others. The sort of invitations that we might make might be to invite our friends to come to YF, to come to a social with us. It might be for us to invite people to come to a Chris Stingle or another Christmas event, to offer to meet up again, to continue conversation, to share a book, to share a podcast, or it might be to offer a prayer for them and with them. But we are the salt of the world. And as we follow Jesus, he invites us to model him by having salty conversations. Over the last few weeks, I have had salty conversations on dog walks. I've had an incredible one. I think I might be sharing a bit more in a couple of weeks on this one in a car park. Who knew? Um, I had a WhatsApp conversation last night, which was getting pretty salty towards the end of it. Anywhere, everywhere, with anyone, is possible. And the more we try having salty conversations, the more we see the opportunities around us to have them, and the more we become attentive to what God is already doing around us. As I said, right at the heart of salty conversations is telling stories. Now, that might be telling stories of the little ways that God's at work in our everyday lives, But it might also be the chance to tell our whole story of faith. And it's really good to be able to do this in some different ways, kind of different lengths, different approaches. So I'm thinking there could be the be real moment. You know, how do you feel about God right here, right now? And use that option. It could be the Instagram option. If there was a picture of how you see God at work, what does that picture look like? 
It could be the tweet version. How would you talk about God in 280 characters or 15 seconds? Or it could be the boiling the kettle version. How might you talk about Jesus in your life in two minutes while the kettle's boiling? So there are plenty of ways of telling our story. I'm just going to share mine now, uh, a little bit of mine, uh, using the question mark and the light bulb and the arrow uh, as the example. So I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, I went to church most weeks. I was in the youth group. I liked being part of a church family. Everything was great. The question I had, though, was, is my faith real? Is it mine, or is it just something we do because that's what our family does. It's the summer post my GCSEs. I'm going to call them GCSEs. They were actually O-levels, but I was uh, just a year before GCSEs, so let's go with it. Um, anyway, it was the summer, and I had two holidays lined up that summer. It was the summer of freedom, right? I've got nothing to do, nothing to think about. So I go on two very different holidays. I go on holiday with my gang, my girlfriends, five girls, one guy. It uh, must have been four girls, one guy, because we had one car. He was the taxi driver, basically, the poor chap. Um, I'm not friends with him anymore. Who knows what happened to him? Bless him, but I thank God for his taxi driving. Anyway, this was, a, this was our young, liberated holiday. I was 16. All four of us took on, decided to take on different identities. We had different names. We had different ages. We were living a fantasy for that week in Lowestoft. Yes, it's possible <laughs> to live a week of fantasy in Lowestoft. Again, who knew? Um, anyway, we, we met a group of guys. They weren't teens like us. They were probably quite a bit older than us. But because we'd all added a few years to our age, we were on a roll. And I think back at that week, and I think about... about what could have happened? There was an opportunity for things to get a little bit out of hand and for me to have life-changing impacts on the decisions that I made after a drink or two with a group of boys who didn't know me and I didn't know them. Moved to the second holiday, which was exactly the week afterwards. I got back, unpacked, went to the second holiday, which was a Christian camp. I was going with my youth club. We had a great week. I wasn't fully engaged, but it was great. It was good fun. It was great. Until we got to the final worship song. And um, we sang an 80s classic. Some of you will remember it. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And in the final verse, the doxology from Jude 24 came out, and it says, He who is able to keep us from falling and set us free from sin. Let us commit our ways to him and follow him. And I just knew at that moment, that was my light bulb, that God had held me from what could have happened the week before and called me to follow him. And my arrow response was to own my faith, to nurture my faith, to live my faith, and to proclaim my faith. Let's move to the next slide. Because we are told in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And as we uh, close, or as I close, I'm going to ask you to think about that back in your tables again. To think about how can we do that this week and some three questions you might want to think about together. What's my story? 
What's the little piece of my story? Am I able to articulate that? How might I be salty this week? Is there somebody I can have a conversation with? Where might that be? With whom? Uh, what sort of story might I want to share? And how can I pray? Do I need to pray for some confidence to share that story? Do I need to pray to speak to somebody in particular? Do I need to pray a prayer of thanks for all that God has done in my life? If I can ask you just to put up the last slide, and I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to reflect on that together. How can I share my story? How can I be salty? And how can I pray? Thank you.